in all of Canada, like there's over one million homeless. Why? <laughs> Welcome y'all, it's CKUT 90.3 FM, and we're starting our coverage of the Homelessness Marathon, broadcasting from unceded Mohawk and Anishinaabe territory. My name is Luca. We're doing this Homelessness Marathon to sort of raise awareness and engage with voices. We wanted to talk to people directly and to amplify their voices and to sort of follow our mandate as community radio to include and amplify the voices of everybody in our community because housing is a human right we're going to be broadcasting interviews content songs things to connect our community the question of housing access and bring out the fact that this city is dealing with a significant problem of housing precarity that very rarely gets talked about in any media. I wanted to say there's no way to talk about community without talking about our elders and the elders who hold positions of high respect in the city and this community. I wanted to introduce Anisi to really begin our ceremony with the voice of an elder. Thank you. I'm a Christian and Inuit. Nakomit, Nelitulu, Atatavolo, Tuama, Nelitichelanga, Sibulipang and Ilo Marama, P.S. Yuma. Atatavot, Hilamituti, Ati, Ismagatia Tauli. At a new need, Hilaoli, Pimarate, Pinyak Tauli. Same attitude. Amen. Jesus is good. Amen. Over one million people in Why is there homelessness? Even some of us wait. Allah ilangi pigunasin lukut sa marugut anak ahapugut kasi ani akliyak toibigay no, we are stuck in our tinic, open our and hang it all The notion of drug use and homelessness is oftentimes connected in people's minds, and sometimes that's a, an oversimplistic or unfair association, but there's no doubt that there's a relationship between drugs and housing, and the war on drugs is oftentimes a war on people who experience housing precarity. So it's important to remember that what looks like people being unable to access housing is actually the result of a series of policies, social positions, cultural stigma that makes it easy for drug users to lose their housing and hard for drug users to access more housing. Really, this is what resilience is. It's opening a place where People can come in and feel accepted and feel warm and have amazing staff surround them. When I say that housing is available, I mean housing is available. A couple studies have basically guessed that there's about 64,000 open housing units in Montreal. People kind of say variously between 2% and 7% of the entire housing stock just lays empty. <laughs> so we have 64,000 empty homes and apartments and three to 5,000 folks who need housing, who deserve housing, and who should have access to housing as a human right. A lot of the voices that we're going to share today are going to talk about diverse experiences living on the street. And when we say a homeless, there's no such thing as that community. There's no such thing as a common experience. Folks who are living outside of housing, living on the street, dealing with housing precarity, are coming from so many different communities, are coming from so many different backgrounds, and are experiencing this city so much differently. 
So even as you listen this afternoon, think about the diversity of voices that are talking and think about changing the way that you consider what is homelessness and what is that community because the only way that we can dig into that problem and break apart this system of housing precarity is to understand people's need for housing and their diverse need for housing. Hi, my name is Nagusset. We're here at Resilience Montreal. I run the Native Women's Shelter of Montreal, and as well as I have the project, uh, the Cabot Square project, right across from Resilience. And I think that there is something that m a lot of society sort of um, does unintentionally called bystander syndrome, where we pass homeless people and walk by quickly and give no eye contact and make assumptions that they are um, there because of their own fault. Now, in Montreal, <clears throat> there is something called uh, the Viennes Commission. So this judge went throughout uh, Quebec and did uh, an inquiry into the discrimination against indigenous people and uh, he came out with a report of 142 recommendations that to this day are not applied so when his, when his report came out in sep September and you know if we know as a society that uh, indigenous people are being turned away from hospitals, from uh, rehabilitation centers, from apartments, from jobs, from anywhere. At what point are we going to be able to um, offer them a better life if you keep pushing them away? So the whole idea of resilience is to have a safe place and bring all those essential services here. And we're really lucky to have the Medicine the Monde that comes by and to have the First People's Justice Center come by and have the Foster's Pavilion come by. We have literally a schedule that Wayne Robinson does and all the pertinent services are here. So when people walk through the doors, if they just want to sit and have some really amazing food and just sort of watch something, you know, on the screen, they can totally do that. If they want to rest, we can offer that too. But if they feel like they are ready to address any particular issue, we'll have that as well. We even have a psychologist that comes once a week. And um, we are in negotiations with the police that should someone need to make a report because a violent attack had happened to them, that they would come here and we would give them a space, a safe space, so that they can speak to police and have a report. Because a lot of times we don't want to go to the police because it hasn't been since the settlers arrived, no offense, but it hasn't been a really great relationship. We are out here outside in the courtyard of resilience and there is snow falling and wind going and we're doing the best we can as an outside broadcast. Next up, we're going to hear from Sheila Woodhouse. Um, thank you so much for sitting and talking with us. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, what I do is uh, I'm the executive director of Nazareth Community and the co-director of Resilience. I responded last week, a couple of weeks ago, to a letter in the Westmount Independent. And what the woman said was, and I'm using her terms, was that she found that the beggars were reducing her quality of life in Westmount. So... I wanted to, part of our mandate is always to raise awareness also and educate people and I and I wrote back and I said that could be you most of us are one paycheck away it's a very very slippery slope 
one income family, if you lose a middle class family, if they lose their income, they're on the streets in two years. Uh, nobody is spared. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways is that this is a lottery. Mental health issues, it's a lottery and nobody wants it. Now, can you imagine spending your entire day without anybody looking at you, anybody speaking to you? That isolation is a killer in itself. Mm-hmm. One of our residents had asked me, I was cutting through the metro, and she said, come sit with me. So I sat on the floor with her. We were invisible. Yeah. Nobody even looks down. And you don't always have to give money. You can just say hello. so much for sitting and talking with us my pleasure so what's your involvement with resilience uh i'm actually a community uh, mediator can you describe maybe like what what does a average mediation look like what is a what's a situation where you might come in and say we can we can work with this we can maybe help folks here yeah well um the the first thing about conflict resolution is you trying to trying to sense it before it comes. So the, the first thing is really it, it's all about the environment you live in, and sometimes you can see it bubbling up. And all you want, all you need to do at that moment is before it comes up, uh, you make sure that you get a good contact with the person and uh, that you, that you get the emotional level a little lower. You know, it's not about and and I mean a lot of people they're going to spew everything out at you, and I'm there just to just to be there. So. I'm I'm not, I'm not there. It's not on me, and I'm not gonna take anything personally. I'm gonna be here just for you to, just for you to evacuate those emotions first of all. And uh, I mean, if it gets to, to to the physical and everything, we're not we're not we're not policemen, but we are trained for these type of situations. So we try to we try to resolve the conflict, even if it goes down to punches and kicks, you know. Uh, but that that's not where we want to go. So the the first thing we need to do is analyze and assess the situation go in make sure that the attention has been pulled off from the conflict and that the person is 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 actually the attention is actually on us so i don't care if they're mad at me or i don't care if they, 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 they they're gonna cuss out at me i, I just want them to, to to come down you know so that's that's about what we do you know for our next uh interview next guest would you like to introduce yourself and Tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Yes. Uh, good evening. My name is Tom Deerhouse. Uh, I work in Gunnawagi as a traditional support counselor. I've done that for about 19 years. Uh, but lately, in the last few months, I'm also working in the city, uh, working with the First People's Justice Center. And I understand now there's going to be a worker coming on after me. She can speak better to what the center's purpose is. But my my work with the center is, is very minimal, but important. Uh, it amounts to maybe six hours per month uh, doing uh, counseling for the, the clientele, which includes First Nations people, Métis, and Inuit. So for myself, I don't claim to know all the issues of justice, but homelessness is definitely one of them. Poverty level and uh, and fighting the system, there's systemic uh, discrimination and all that. And racism from diff- at different levels. So I uh, <coughs> do some supportive counseling with clientele and offer uh, self-care to, to the staff because it can get heavy at times. And besides that, also uh, maybe every quarter, every three months, there's a, an advisory board that I'm part of to give direction to uh, the small staff. It's, it's small, but it's going to be growing. And the whole purpose of the Justice Center, you'll hear later too, but my, my take on it is we're, supposed to, we're going to indigenize the criminal justice system and make the system fair for everybody. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the challenges that Indigenous folks face when dealing with homelessness and, and the criminal justice system? 
Yes. Uh, well, the issues are kind of similar at a, working at a community level. People are faced uh, with authority figures. Sometimes the system is not fair. Uh, even on reserve, it's sometimes it's not fair. It's pick and choose, uh, depending on who your family is. So I, I view it as uh, even in a, a bigger, bigger city here in uh, Montreal. Uh, people can get lost in the system. People are there can be a tendency to have uh, Inuit people labeled or First Nations people labeled. Uh, homelessness equals uh, maybe all kinds of. Uh, it's a loaded question. It's really a loaded thing. It could be drug and alcohol labels applied. Uh, it may be true, but not to that extent. Everyone needs to be uh, treated fairly uh, in the system. So that's what we're, we're, we're challenging. We, we speak about that. I know the staff speaks about it, and I support what the staff is doing. Much like any other uh, Native organization or organization working with First Nations people, and there's a lot here in the city. Uh, I, I'll cite the Native Montreal, uh, Native Friendship Center for People Justice Center, Resilience, uh, Shade Doors, and other shelters like that. So... What changes have you seen? Maybe over the past 20 or 30 years, you know, you said you work in Garamaga and you work in Montreal, and, and do you see changes in, in people's, how people relate to homelessness, the challenges people face? Well, uh, as, as I was uh, talking before, uh, I, I don't claim to know a lot about the, about the issue, but I was, uh, to, I'll describe it on a community level. Uh, healing happens in many ways. If you look at, say, residential school, exam- for example, it's only in the last uh, maybe 30 years that people have started really talking about it. The, uh, this aging population, they're in their 60s, 70s, and, 80, and 80s now. And uh, so that's come to the forefront, especially now that uh, the resident- there was a compensation part of it. Uh, what's what's on my mind now at the local level is the Indian Day School for uh, process claims process that started. Uh, this uh, it's going to be going on for three years. So 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 people are really talking about this, and this is a current issue. So for people in the city, I, mean, I make comparisons. We're talking about homelessness now. It's a good thing. The more we talk about it, we we'll just lay it out on the table and try to find some solutions for that. It's just going to be uh, financial costs going to have to be attributed to the issue as well as uh, uh, human resources to to do this. So more workers, more uh, they'll have to be have to find a way to do that. And uh, I know it's a challenge, but it can be done. I've seen it happen on a community level. Hopefully, it'll happen on a larger uh, community, uh, citywide level as Montreal. We're talking, I guess, millions of people and, and millions of dollars in their budgets. Yeah, and a worldwide level. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for taking the time to sit down and talk with us. Oh, I'm glad I, I could uh, have a few minutes just to share. Yeah. Good uh, luck. Thank you. Have a good evening. Yeah. Taimela <laughs> Taima isumalo na hatakto nili na lagay masila. Taima ilinga jualo lagay mata isumalo na hatakto katigala amisuluang ito galaw ha hataksi malatwe alla inugun eh hataksi malatwe. So taman na isumagikaswa hataksi eh kayokto tao hatakta halunani muto yugo eh kayokto gaya hangata tamako ang kahangito ape. Taima apek susimiyonga huminga ape inu ape. Kinamangape Olikatama 
I know that you're not working. You do this on your own self, right? Yes. And what do you do? Well, um, I, I've been edu- I, I'm a social worker. I went to McGill. I got two degrees from McGill. Mm-hmm. I used to work uh, with uh, a bit closer. So I've all, my background is always in social work and the helping field. But even before that, I used to live on the streets myself, mm-hmm. right across the street here. At Atwater Park in the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I do is very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a burden for the forgotten people. And we have, we have a lot of Inuit people here on the streets. And it seems to be getting worse and worse every year. And... Um, I don't have a paid job, but I'm out here almost every single day. I make my rounds from one end of the streets to the other, through all the metros and that. And um, what I do is I actually, uh, I'll have a different twist on this. I pray for people. Um, I was handicapped for 15 years, and somebody prayed for me, and I rose up from the bed. And uh, so I, I literally, I pray for people that are sick. I go to the hospitals, the streets, everywhere, and I go around to homeless, and I can actually see things moving. I can see God moving uh, through my prayers with the homeless people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're living in very wicked end times right now, and uh, the the people that are getting the worst of the the worst are the homeless people and I have a burden uh, in my heart to be a light bearer to them you know to give them a hug many of them have never been hugged in their life maybe many of them have been rejected and laughed about and lied about and and um, judged and stuff like that so I literally go in as an ambassador to God Mm-hmm. to give them a hug, to bring them hope, to bring them love and, and light and, and to let them know that somebody is thinking of them, even if it's me, just me, that God loves them, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, another thing I do is I try to find immediate needs because so I've met people here in the dead winter when it's really cold with no boots. And, I, and I'm not a rich person, but I always pray that God put some money in my bank account and I've had to buy boots for several people. Mm-hmm. I've bought coats. I've bought coats today here for people because it's cold tonight it's going to be cold um so everything i do is i just trust that god will provide for me because i'm somebody that's out there on the front line mm-hmm. right in the midst of the darkness I, i'm around people on crack shooting up heroin drinking alcohol i'm right in the midst of it i'm I, i'll go where nobody else will go mm-hmm. because i've been there and they need somebody mm-hmm. you know they need somebody to know that God loves them and that I love them, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want them to suffer and feel alone. Yeah. I know I used to be hungry when mm-hmm. I was homeless, you know. Yeah. I know there was a lot of times I didn't have somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's very personal to me. Another thing I want to talk about is... Uh, <laughs> I talk to a lot of the Inuit people and I ask them if like they want to go home I could try to find them a ticket to go home and over 90% of them would rather sleep on the street than go back home because mm-hmm. the conditions of living back home is so bad yeah. and I know that I relate with that because when I was a kid and I came down to Montreal and lived on the streets I felt safer mm-hmm. in the streets than I did in my own home mm-hmm. and I know that's the situation with a lot of our people yeah. we have such high suicide rates and murder and, and, and alcoholism and addictions and, and it's that the living conditions back home is so bad that literally I see people like who, who've been living on the streets for many many years and they rather stay there and go back in their own hometown. Mm-hmm. And that has to change. Mm-hmm. I want to hear myself. Let's see. Hello. Hi. 
Hi, Kina we go? Salvation Army, um, they get help through Salvation Army. Yeah. And with the Yelnaik Mu Inu Kajikakti, we're just starting. So, um, Ayok Lalik to go Huli Tapani. Ayok to it. Kano Ayok to it. It's hard to explain because there's a lot of Inuit that go to Yalna for medical mm-hmm. or that have been incarcerated mm-hmm. and then they refuse to go home or they miss their flight and have to pay for their own flight home. Mm-hmm. So it gets too expensive for them to fly. Okay, and then they get stuck in Yellowknife? Yeah. And um, is there a shelter that they can go to? Yes, they do, mm-hmm. but it's um, mainly for people that are non-intoxicated, okay. so they have a hard time. Yeah. But a lot of them, they go to Salvation Army, Tapani. Mm-hmm. So. Some of them, some of them, not all of them. Yeah. They've got there's uh, two elders. I'm the coordinator there, mm-hmm. and I usually do everything through what the board of directors tell me. Mm-hmm. So I only go by their words, and then I do my job. Mm-hmm. And we try to get a hold of the um, homeless Inuit, but it's hard to talk to them because they don't really trust a lot of people yet. No, yeah. It's that trust issue. Yes. Do you have outreach workers? No, not yet. No way. It's uh, We're... Like a lot of our stuff are done under UPIP, mm-hmm. so we're really limited. Mm. And that um, outreach work, outreach workers work, that's part of our goal, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a while before we get to that part. Mm. Can you introduce yourself? There you are. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, this is this is Brian Winters. I'm the executive director of the Toronto Inuit Association. Okay, um, you work for Inuit in Toronto? Yes, yeah, we, we create cultural programming as well as physical and mental well-being and uh, professionalism programming for um, all Toronto Mute, whether that is uh, Inuit who are visiting Toronto, passing through Toronto, or uh, living in Toronto. Um, I'm personally originally from Nunatiavut. Um, I... You know, when I left Happy Valley Goose Bay, I moved to Halifax, Nova Scotia, lived there for a few years, lived in Montreal for a few years, and then eventually moved to Toronto, where I've been living now for uh, just about three years, actually. Hi, 
CKUT Nipibukunik 90.3 FM Ullumi Ullumi 754 754 Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> 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 Hmm. Iloani Silaming in Nalema, Katemangalema. She told me so, me, you don't know. Sinitavini Anakahangi to Valley take or park, Opa soaring it at tea. Ah, so move. So move a lot, Miss Tate. Pick out a tartar a lot, Miss Tate. Ah, Hano Pinan has Mangata. Hano <laughs> Illatini, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Sunar inulakta tukal laso ngubi. Shoot. Inulakta tukal laso ngubi. Nekhini. Hammi kur doi. Doi bong itamani. Lakuni galak. Takani resilience Montreal. Yeah. On natitaw loko hatta kisi. Tuk to lakasunu. Nikatok. Ay, ino hatiti takong asuto yok tao tao matanag hatao hatake. Ay, amit kaso ng lokote. Hmm, hikarote ta tasuti. Ay, so subiro loto alo hatang ikalok tute. Ano ka hatitao tasuti siloile? Ano ka chen ng? Takon ng chen yung bato ato ato lakaso. Jadi, ini ni bicara lagi kalau nabi ayat kata kalau waktu tu. Kita kalau kuno tu saja, tu saja kata atsunai rumah jadi nabi lati tu saja kalau tu ini tu apa tak lawak? Tu saja, tu saja tu. Ikat tu semua nak hendak. Ino hatitin no, balo ino halo na na wasa. Kisya ni kaakto so chengtum. So na na mga galasong ugalo at tuti take ng ane the friendship center park. Tao ng edakasul. Tamanit tamanit sa nasong ubi uno ako balo. Ako. Tamanit tamanit chengtum na. Metro galan ni sini yap tu berkhasungong ilati. Nak kami tu saksa kon nak kata kavi, dan ni mewujud viko. Aku lewi. Ay. Nak kami ibu. Masuk. Unno hati alang abotik ibu sese hati. Yap. Nak kami ibu. Welcome back to CKUT 90.3 FM. We're sitting here in an ice storm, occasionally a snowstorm, freezing rainstorm. And this is the Homelessness Marathon. We are still broadcasting from unceded Mohawk and Anishinaabe territory from Resilience, 4000 St. Catherine Street. It is lovely and wonderful and warm inside, and I'm excited to see folks hanging out. And we are out here in the tent. And our next guest is Liz Singh. And she is a uh, street worker, a harm reduction practitioner, and uh, working with Head and Hands and providing syringe access and overdose prevention services for folks all over Montreal, but especially folks who are living on the street and dealing with housing access uh, challenges. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for, for coming on. Ah, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm loud. Okay, hi, uh, Luca. You have such a good calm radio voice. I know. It's, normally, I just scream. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Hi. Um. Thank you for having me. Um. Do you mind uh, giving a little bit of introduction about the work that you do? And yeah, I'd love to. Um. So street work is something I'm really um, passionate about. So this is a form of. Uh, you could say outreach, but it's like travail de milieu um, that happens mostly in Quebec in Canada. Um, so my job is to spend time um, in spaces in the community where street-involved youth or youth who are at risk of street involvement might find themselves. Um, and I'm there like to provide resources, but mostly to provide like connection and like a relationship and like. Um, you know, should that youth find themselves seeking a resource or seeking a service at some point, um, it's part of my job to uh, know about those. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about the differences between providing support and, and services for folk, for youth um, rather than uh, older folks and adults who are living on the street? Uh, for sure. So um, definitely... Wow. Um, what are things. some of the differences? Yeah, a, a few things for sure. So, like with anything else in life, um, youth who are new to something, um, so new to maybe life on the street or new to um, independence, because for a lot of youth, this happens, right? Like after they leave care or after they leave, um, you know, their family home. Um, 
and they just they just don't uh, they don't necessarily know a whole lot um, about the world about how about how to look for housing in the first place. I get a lot of people calling just like how do we, how do I look for an apartment? You know, um, what are the very basics of uh, like how does a lease work? And um, what are my you know I, I think a lot of them don't even go so far as to think that they might have rights in that situation. Um, it doesn't occur to a lot of them until after uh, after trouble arises. But um, so I think there's a big education piece um, in there, and then of course, like some of my clients are underage, so they're minors, um, and that means that they have different rights in terms of their independence and freedom. Um, and it's a, a different kind of housing problem, um, but one that I see a lot, all the same. And uh, both you and I have experience, you know, doing syringe exchange work, doing harm reduction work, and. How would you describe the differences between like people's challenges and needs who are living on the street versus folks uh-huh. who are housed? I mean, in Montreal, the weather is everything. Um, the weather is a, is a huge part of uh, of people's lives, of the rhythm of life um, here in the city. And the weather is brutal. Um, so I think that that's that's a major impact. Just just simply finding uh, finding shelter in the first place and um, the kind of different conditions. You know, when you're using outside, uh, you're not necessarily able to provide the same sorts of conditions as you could um, indoors, uh, and you don't have the same control over over your safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Liz, thank you so much for for uh, sitting down and talking with us. Uh, thank you so much for having out me. here out here in the beautiful crisp <laughs> crisp winter. Um, yeah, and y'all are listening to CKUT 90.3 FM, and we're going to have some more music and some more interviews. Please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Nelson Norville. I'm homeless and a drug addict. Okay. How long have you been homeless, Nelson? Uh, well, I was homeless um, back in 2006 for two years, and now it's been since November when I came out of prison. Okay. Okay, so if you don't mind, initially, how did you become homeless? Well, I had an apartment, and when I went into prison, I had a six-month sentence. I had to do four months on the six months, but I had paid three months of the six of the four months, and I had spoken to the landlord. I said, just hold my place, and mm-hmm. when I come out, I'll pay you the last month, because so that way I'll have my place. But when I came out, she had already gave it to somebody else. Mm. All my stuff was gone and everything like that, and I've been, I haven't been able to find a place. I was staying with friends and stuff like that, but then it just became like I felt like I was imposing too much. You know, I was paying my own way, but it still just didn't feel right and everything like that. So I just, you know, I started going to the shelters and everything like that, and like sleeping up um, at Royal Victoria Hospital at night, and like passing my days here helping out volunteering and. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I have a lot of like a lot, a lot of medical problems. So I'm basically getting all that fixed up now and everything. So and that's where I stand pretty much right now on the homeless side. side Uh, Okay, are you satisfied with the like services you're getting medically? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Like, I mean, top notch, like um, most of my um, like my I have um, kidney failure. I'm going to be starting dialysis either this Mm -hmm. week or next week. And the Mm -hmm. nephrology department at the Montreal General A1. Um, I just had a, like a surgery called a fistula, so to, for to do the uh, the dialysis, uh, I got a heart failure, I got kidney failure, I got lung failure, and uh, hepatitis C, and anemia, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's all getting cleared up slowly but surely, yeah, and everything. Yeah. So yeah, you're still smiling. So oh yeah, for sure, for sure. You can't let it down. Okay. Yeah. So if someone were to ask you generally, what is home to you? What would you say? What is home to me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my own place, like, like like I had before, like with all, you know, I don't, I'm not a person that needs much. You know what I mean? If I, like, I had a one and a half, I had a bed, I had a table, kitchen table, I had pots and pans and everything, you know, fridge stove. That was good enough for me. I had my TV, which I casted all my stuff from my t- telephone, so I didn't have to pay cable, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. that that's basically a home, home where I'm comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where I can go and lay my head whenever I want to go and lay my head. So, you know, okay. I guess that's the, the, the hardest part about being homeless, I guess, is like when you just want to really just lie down. Because sometimes like because it couples with the drug use. Yeah. And when you're using drugs for two or three days at a time and you just want to lie down and there's nowhere to lie down, it's, it's you know, mm-hmm. you realize what home really is. So, 
Um, you said it's coupled with drug use. Okay, yeah, is it, is it, what do you mean by that? Because everybody who's been in the homeless is usually on drugs. Like they start, they, they might not start off on drugs. Usually it starts off when they come out on the street. There's like a lot of depression that goes with and everything like that. So they fall in with a certain crew. Like, you know, they might just drink all day, so they'll start drinking. Then eventually it'll lead to drugs, and next thing you know, you're drinking and drugging every day, you know, depending on whatever your drug of choice is. Some is heroin, me, it was crack cocaine, mm. you know. But, like, now I had to stop everything because of the dialysis, which is a good thing, actually, you know. It's like it's kind of a lifesaver in a way. My name is Alexandra, and I'm 40. Thank you so much. Um, do you consider yourself homeless? Yeah, definitely. Yes, I definitely do. Uh, I do not have a home, so that's pretty pretty much homeless, I guess. Uh, how long? Uh, I'd say like for the past four to five years. Yeah, yeah. Like it's been couch surfing. Like I, I haven't had my own place for between four to five years. Yeah. Are you comfortable sharing how you became homeless? Uh, sure. Well, I first became homeless. Um, basically, I was going out with somebody, and uh, they pretty much like I had my name on the lease, and they dipped on me, and so then it like had a ripple effect which made my name bad at the rental board and so then I wasn't able to get any housing because like because of the rental board so that's how I became homeless and then um it was just a series of like couch surfing and then I, I ended up going out with uh, a guy and uh we actually ended up living in the back of the old open door. No, not at the square, like by the church, oh. like in the back. Oh. Yeah, it was was not very cool. But uh, yeah, we stayed there for like a year. So, and I was going to school at that point too. But obviously, I couldn't stay in school and be homeless at the same time. Where were you going to school? I was going to um, what's that place called? It's at Mount Royal. It's a cooking school, the Culinary Academy. But it's uh, Mont Royal, and it's I don't remember the name of the school, but I know where to go because I want to go back there when I get my life together and once once I get an apartment because it's most it's more so like the apartment, the stability, and being able to like wake up in the morning and go to school and you know my name's eddie Stewart from gaspésie and i've been here in montreal for say around 20 years and i've been staying on the streets yeah like once in a while mm -hmm. i managed to get an apartment but most of the people mm -hmm. they're racist they don't like native people like i always got a native hat and just because of that they don't want to uh, rent me a room or rent me an apartment, sometimes even a motel room. That's the way it is. Um, I, have you been primarily around this area? Yes. Yeah, Cabot Square? Yes. So I'm curious from your experience, how has this area changed? Well, after uh, the old open door had closed, 14 people ended up dying in, what, eight months? I'm just happy I, me or my girlfriend wasn't one of them. What do you think should be done by officials? So, so you mentioned racism. I, I hear that. What do you think can be done? If you could say something to these racist authorities, what would you say? Just grow up and leave the native people alone. Don't bother harassing them and all this hair stuff. Lalivung. Lalikina. Anana. Nani Miyovili. Gang Zorcho Miyovung. Hangani Manchiamiki. Thirty five years. Mm. In Winona no song of a lost city. Ilangani. A leggy tamana. I saw mine. I covered chess or Ilangan. I. Tamanakayangi Kalwaki. Kalwasunga. Anna Hotikunukusena, eh, look up his own of Hunga. Anna Kayota, Avenue Dam. In a native woman shelter? Ah, so. Then Anna Car. So, one Larun la silkung, Anna Caratain, Anna Covet. Larun Lako, how may I never call Allah taken? Um. 
Tabani Hunetuagabi Nanigala Tina Songogipi. Being a Sunana Covino three days Anna Covavonga, three days Anna Covavonga. I'm a one more day Nani. Sugar, 
Native woman shelter. Favorite tosunga or hoy malonak tosunga imay lukto kalalagma mami sa waktong asunawo. Ilang e pinasuti imay luna sa sunawmek. Ilitilaw ng ilitni laguna sun. Six. Ninety days had we not Ninety days Oh, is Pong a Mm. Not with me. You can with them. La 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 Keeping a sonata, Mata Nerimati Tosung, Mata Inuitavo, Kalasung, Valorabi. Ah, in a navic to measure Tavan, a pinnacle nailer to a manukalo, you to be a volunteer, cook, cleaner, all that stuff. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Hachunai <laughs> Tama <laughs> Not like years ago. I like Gabriel? Hey. Huh? Hi. Yeah, Nuruki. Uh, Nuruki. Yeah, Nuruki. Nuruki. 
Um, hi. <laughs> Your last name? Khopakwaluk. Uh, Montreal. Montreal meet. My family's from Puvonitok in Kanyosuk. But um, I was raised here in Montreal my whole life. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say hi to everybody. Hope you're staying uh, dry and warm in this cold and wet uh, Montreal night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I had I had some things to say, but now I'm nervous <laughs> now that we're, we're on the air. Um, what? Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. We're a nippy wood team here. Yeah, yeah, both. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's amazing that we're outside here right now at the corner of St. Catherine and Montreal, uh, St. Catherine and Alwater. Um I grew up in Montreal my whole life, and that for me caused a lot of identity issues. Um, I think. One of those issues, of course, is homelessness. As an Inuk, especially, you, you living in the city, you are you're always faced with the the stigma of of homelessness. Um, I like some of the points that were brought up today about God, and and there's so much love uh, with people, and there's so much um, energy going on, and we are living in rough times. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was. Um, at a at a dinner with some friends and we were having a conversation with someone and they asked me uh, what I thought about homelessness in Montreal especially towards Inuit because it's very visible everyone who's taken the metro downtown everyone who's been to Cabot Square to Outwater has, has noticed has heard Inuit has seen Inuit I meet Inuit anywhere I go in Montreal um And I find it frustrating still that today, you know, hold that stigma. And um, we, we we hear what's going on in the media today, what's going on out west with the Wet'suwet'en um, and um, all these things. And the struggles we have with the uh, popular media um, always sort of um, making sure they promote all the negative aspects of who we are as Inuit. All the suicides up north, all the homelessness. Um, but... I guess why I wanted to be here is to make people realize um, that this is not just, um, you know, this is not just our issue as indigenous people, as Inuit issue. It's an issue for the whole entire country, uh, for entire societies too today. Um, you know, we we can't separate ourselves from everybody else in, in, the, in those terms. And... Um, Yeah, so if ever you're a non-Inuk and you 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 see Inuit um, or you have a nice conversation with someone and uh, I hope I hope that you come to realize whoever is listening um, that this issue yes it's very severe and it's very uh, very present it always has been but it's also um, part of the greatest society and I think um, we, we often talk about a lot about um, What what other organizations could do, what, what the government can do, and stuff. Um, but what can you do um, as an individual, as a listener right now? Um, what can you do uh, to 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 ensure someone to ensure that we remain in a positive mindset? You know, the, um, I heard of I forget her first name, Mesher. Uh, Joanna Mesher talk about uh, God. You know, the power of God. Myself. Growing up, I always thought I was an atheist. Now I'm more of an agnostic, but I think that's an important part. Um, God is something um, that we knew we'd know very well, that we've known for a couple hundred years now. And um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of suffering, a lot of hatred. You know, but I think when we believe in God and community, I think it still would work. Um, it's still, yeah. I don't. I <laughs> Gabriel No one lives in an igloo What's that? No one lives in a Yeah, no one lives in igloos <laughs> There are no penguins up there <laughs> No penguins, no igloos That's one of the questions I was asked a lot growing up Oh, do you still live in igloos? Or what was your igloo like? Do you know how to build an igloo? And I don't know Doesn't igloo itself mean home? 
<laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ironic. <laughs> we can say we have satellite dish, satellite dish, um, a fridge in the <laughs> 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 yeah, with the TV and everything, <laughs> bunk beds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to CKUT 90.3 FM Broadcasting the Homelessness Marathon from Resilience Once again, broadcasting from unceded Mohawk and Anishinaabe territory Housing should be set up so that it is accessible for everybody Accessible in their language Accessible with their comfort Providing them the type of housing and access to food that feels dignified and safe for them. It's door. Housing means sustainable, long-term, long-lasting home, not temporary roofs over folks' head. That's the first step, but there needs to be a major reckoning in what people consider to be housing justice. And there needs to be a major reckoning with people's understanding of why housing is denied to people in this city. And the voices that you're gonna to hear today are gonna to talk about the diversity of the reasons that they feel that housing has been denied to them or that they lost housing. And also the community and the strength and the friendships that they find with their friends and with their family. Folks living on the streets are not all part of one community, but everybody is part of a community. Whether it's fellow drug users, people that you hustle and move with, people that you happen to bed down with or live with, partners, loved ones, and family, nobody is without a community. But lots of communities are not given adequate access to housing. And that's a lot of what we're gonna be addressing during the Homeless Marathon here. And 90.3 FM, CKUT. I think it's important that people recognize that when people lose housing and can't access housing, that is not a natural state. That is not a natural state for a city to be in. That is a question of policy, and that is a question of exclusion. For those of us who are lucky enough to have an apartment, we spend most of our money on rent. Why? I think that's the reason why there's so many homeless people. And thank you for listening. I don't know what else to say. Nakomik. <laughs>